grateful to be in the Lord's house today on this beautiful spring morning. 19 degrees at my house when we left a while ago, but it's still getting towards spring. We're grateful that you're here today, and I realize that anytime the time changes, I don't care which way it goes, these people it gets mixed up and they don't show up at church. I, I remember the first time it changed like this that I was pastoring at Union McMinn. Got there that morning and there was a little gentleman seated on the steps of the church. And I spoke to him and he said, where have you been? I've been here two hours. And I said, oh, you must have turned your clock the wrong direction. <laughs> he had, and I said, well, we'll have service here in a few minutes. He said, you'll have it without me. I've been here my two hours and he took off home. <laughs> This morning we want to continue preaching out of Matthew chapter 27, if you'll be finding that in your Bible. And we're talking about the price that Jesus paid for his church. We started on this over 13 months ago in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we've continued to preach through Matthew this way and looking at the church. And we're going to see the price that Jesus paid for his church in this passage of scripture today. We'd ask you to stand with us out of reverence to God as we begin reading in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 26. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had planted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that he had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. Would you pray with me? Fathers, we stand in your presence this morning and in the presence of these precious people. We thank you, Lord, for this privilege that you have given us. We thank you, Father, that you love us and you care for us. Thank you that you sent your Son into this world to pay our sin debt and to purchase the church of the living God. Father, we pray today that you would illuminate our minds and on our lips and help us to speak your word, Lord, with truth and with clarity. And Father, we pray today that your Holy Spirit will work in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls who are in this building today, and those who are listening by various means. And Father, I pray today that there will be someone who will respond and surrender their life to you, repenting of their sins and trusting Jesus as their Lord and Savior that others will respond by saying, thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us. Father, we pray today 
that above all, that Jesus will be exalted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Be seated, please. Bring us up to date. It was Passover time. As a matter of fact, Passover day. Jesus had been arrested out in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before. He'd been brought first to the house of Annas, who was one of the high priests. Annas had tried him and could find no fault in him. Then he was taken to Caiaphas' house. Caiaphas was the high priest that particular year. Caiaphas and all of the Sanhedrin court tried him there during the night, which was illegal. They really could find nothing wrong with him. But yet, in the morning hours, when it was legal for them to try him, they went through the mockery of a trial again. There was many false accusations made about him, but none were true. They sent him then to Pilate. Pilate was the Roman procurator. It had to be the Gentiles or the Roman people who would give the right for him to die. That had been taken away from the Jewish nation. Pilate tried him, could find nothing wrong with him. He finds out that he's a Galilean and then he sends him over to Herod because Galilee was Herod's jurisdiction. Herod tried him and could find nothing wrong with him and sends him back to Pilate. And again, they go through the mockery of the trial. Pilate thought that he could get the people to release Jesus by a custom that they had at that particular time of year where a notorious prisoner would be released. And there was a very notorious man there by the name of Barabbas. The Bible tells us he was a robber. The Bible tells us he was a murderer. The Bible tells us that he had committed sedition or caused an uprising among the people. And surely, when put to the test, would not the people release Jesus and let him go free and take Barabbas and punish him because he was a criminal? But when Pilate presented this case before the Sanhedrin court, they refused. They said, let Barabbas go. And he said, what shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Christ? And they said, crucify him. He comes now, verse 26 there, to where Pilate releases Barabbas. Sets him free. But he turns Jesus over to the, the people. And it says in verse 26, when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. What does that word scourged mean? Your Bible may say flogged. It was the most hideous punishment that I think has ever been invented by man. It was not used very often 
but when it was, it was a spectacular thing to see. But it was horrible for the person who was experiencing it. You see, they took the person who was to be flogged or to be scourged. They tied their hands up on a post like this so they would not fall. There were two Roman soldiers, one on either side of the man who was being scourged. Each of those soldiers had a whip in his hand. We would call it a cat of nine tails today because that was a whip that came into a bunch of different throngs sticking out of it at the bottom of that whip or at the end of that whip. And on each one of those pieces of leather, there would be pieces of bone, pieces of uh, metal, pieces of glass, pieces of rock, anything that would rip the skin and the flesh off of a man's back. And this was a game that the Roman soldiers loved to play. They would start at the base of the skull of the man and work their way down to the top of his hips and each stripe that they would lay on this man the next soldier would try to hit just below it to where they left no skin really on the back, but they ripped it all off. And this was going to be done to Jesus there. It says, and delivered him to, uh, or they scourged Jesus. This was something that was done with a, a bit of hatred about it. That they would, they would take that whip and hit so hard. And they would jerk it just at the right time. And, and the back of that person was just being ripped to shreds. Many times as they got down around the abdomen area, that whip would maybe come around and catch their, their belly just a little bit. And, and it would rip open. And many times their intestines would just pour out. Many times people died while being scourged. But this is what they did to Jesus that day. As the crowd stood there and watched. The Jews would only do 39 stripes. Their law prevented them from giving more than 40. If they gave more than 40, then they were punished. So they would usually stop at 39. But the Romans had no such law. The Romans could beat them as long as they wanted to. And you imagine as our Lord and Savior stands there that day, tied to that post. As one stripe after another was laid on his back. As the flesh kept being ripped off of his back. How he must have felt there that day. And I, I imagine that he was beginning to grow weak by this time. Shedding his blood. Why was this done? Why? Well the Bible tells us that he was punished and chastised because of our sins. In Isaiah 53, 5 it says, The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Think about that. Every stripe that was laid on the back of Jesus, it was tainted with my sins and your sins and the sins of the whole wide world. Was, he was being whipped 
for all of this. And he had done nothing. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, upon Jesus. And with his stripes, we are healed. Jesus didn't resist this. You know why? He was fulfilling scripture. Isaiah 50 and verse 6 says, I gave my back to the smiters. You'll notice in all of this, Jesus never defended himself. He never said anything back that, that uh, would, would cause them to get angry at him or anything. Jesus had come for this purpose. And then it says he delivered him to be crucified. Pilate turns him over to the soldiers. In verse 27, then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall. This is called the praetorium in, in other passages of scripture. They gathered him there in that common hall, a, a pretty big place where a lot of people could come in, but yet it wasn't out in the open. And they gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And he's been turned over to the Roman soldiers. And that phrase there, the whole band of soldiers, the Greek word for it was cohort. And my, the best that I can find out, a cohort of soldiers was anywhere from 100 to 200 soldiers. So he's there before this whole big bunch of rough-looking soldiers. These men knew how to punish people. They knew what to do. They had heard the charge against Jesus, that he was being charged with saying that he was the king of the Jews. So they go about to mock him, humiliate him. Look at verse 28 there. And they stripped him. They stripped him. They took his clothes off of him. I don't know if his clothes was on him when they scourged him or not. If they did, then the part that covered his upper body was ripped to shreds. I have an idea that he probably stood there tied to that pole with just a loincloth on the lower part of his body. But they had put clothes back on him if that was the case. And here they strip those clothes off of him. What happens when your, your back is bleeding and you put on a, a shirt or a blouse or some other piece of clothing over that? And that bud begins to coagulate. It begins to dry for a little bit. And, and then it's stripped off of you. The blood begins to flow again. Those wounds that were trying to heal began to be opened up again. They stripped him and they put on him a scarlet robe. You see, they're mocking him as a king. This whole band of soldiers, they're having a party. They've got someone there they can laugh at. They've got someone there that they can cause to hurt a little more. 
that scarlet robe they put on him, pretending that he's a king. You see, a scarlet robe was a royal robe. They're mocking him. The scripture says something about that in Isaiah 1.18. It says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they put a scarlet robe on him. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isaiah wrote that. Isaiah writes a lot about the crucifixion of Jesus. But we haven't gotten to the crucifixion yet. We're just still here with the Roman soldiers playing around with Jesus. And when they had planted a crown of thorns, a king needs a crown, you know. But instead of getting a gold crown and setting it on his head, they get thorns and they plant those. There's lots of thorn bushes in that, that part of the world over there. And they have some of the sharpest thorns on them that you'll ever find. I cut a limb off of one of them over there one day, and before I could get anything done with it, it had stuck me so many times I was bleeding. And I, I destroyed it. I got rid of it. But they plait a crown of thorns and they put it on his head. And a reed in his right hand. A king needs a scepter. They took a reed, put it in his right hand, mocking him as a king, mocking him. That crown of thorns. Thorns are a symbol of God's curse on the earth. Do you ever think about that? Go back into Genesis and you read that after Adam and Eve sinned, God told them that they would have to work by the sweat of their brow to make their living and that thorns and thistles would grow. That was a curse that God put upon this earth because of man's sin. And now, as Jesus wears this this crown of thorns. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Jesus took my curse and your curse. They put this reed in his hand. Another scripture says they beat him over the head with it. And that would drive those thorns down into his brow. And he would begin to bleed from his head. They smote him with that, that reed. A mock scepter. What does the Bible say about a scepter? Hebrews 1.8 says, But unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of thy kingdom. They didn't realize it, but they were really 
crucifying the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But yet they're mocking him. They mocked him. They said, Hail, King of the Jews. They bowed before him, mocking him. That's not the only time Jesus has been mocked. People still today mock the name of Jesus. People still today hate the name of Jesus. I think that's why the war in Ukraine is going on. You see, Ukraine went from being a communist country back in the early 90s to being a Christian nation being a nation that turned from communism and turned to the Lord Jesus Christ and some of the most dedicated Christians you'll find anywhere on the face of this earth is found in Ukraine. But Russia is a communist country. They don't believe in God. They say they're trying to deliver Ukraine from the neo-Nazis. And they're persecuting God's people, the Christians there. But God gave me a, an interesting thought about that. Just as in Jerusalem, in the early church, persecution came upon the church. And you know what happened? They spread. They ran from there. They went into different countries all around about and They carried the gospel there. That's the way the church has been spread down through the years. Those, those people from Ukraine, they're going into Poland. They're going into Romania. They're going into the other nations around about there. And all of those are ungodly nations. God's doing a mission work right there. Putin thinks he's going to destroy them, but God is going to make them multiply. That's the way God works. Here. They mock Jesus. There's a time coming. Listen to what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2. There's a time coming when everyone of every tribe of every nation shall bow before the Lord Jesus. It won't be in mockery. Here's what Paul said. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him. Jesus is who he's talking about. God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus. Listen to this. At the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That day's still out there. But it's coming, friend. I'm glad that I've already bowed my knees to Jesus. I'm glad I've already confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I'm glad that He's my Lord and my Savior. And I can earnestly and honestly bow before Him and say those things. But those that still curse His name, those that still want to persecute Jesus and His followers, there's a day coming when they too will bow.
They too will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, but it will be too late at that particular time. That's not all they did. Verse 30, and they spit upon him. They spit upon him. Oh, how insulting. That's, that's probably the worst insult you could do to anyone is to spit on them. I just imagine those 200 or more soldiers there walking by. I don't know how many spit on him. There was at least one and maybe 200. I don't know. That's not the point. The point is they spit on him. You see, subjects were to kiss their rulers, but they spit on Jesus. But the day is coming. Listen to what Psalms 2.12 says. I'd never, I'd never really understood this little passage of Scripture until I read it in light of what's happening here. Psalms 2.12 says, Kiss the Son, lest He be angry, and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are they that put their trust in him. Who's it talking about? Jesus. He's the son of God. Kiss the son. Lest he be angry. And you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. But blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Now you can spit on him if you want to. But I'm going to tell you something. You won't like the results. Or you can kiss him. You can love him. And be blessed. And they took the reed and smote him on the head. We've already talked about that. I got a little ahead of myself. They beat him over the head. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him. And here he's been there standing, enduring all this mockery with that scarlet robe on him. And now they come and they strip it off of him. Once again, that blood begins to flow. He's bleeding from his head. He's bleeding from his back. They put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. They take him through the streets of Israel. You can go there today. You find little signs at certain points in that city where they meandered through the streets. You see, that was another form of punishment for someone they were about to crucify. They had to bear their own cross. And those crosses are heavy. My tour guide told me that they were probably made 
from olive wood because there were so many olive trees there. And olive wood is a very dense wood, very heavy, even heavier than oak. And that cross was made. And the Bible tells us in one place where Jesus stumbled under the weight of that cross. So he's being led through town. He's been tortured all night long going through six different trials. He's been beaten. His blood is draining out of his body. He's been mocked. He's been cursed. He's been spit upon. And as he walks through the streets of Israel, on his way outside the city to what we call Mount Calvary, there he goes carrying the cross. There's an old song that says, Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. Why did Jesus do this? He did it to pay for my sin debt and your sin debt. I keep saying that because it's true. He did it to purchase the church of the living God. He did it to fulfill Scripture. He did it because He loves you and He loves me. Do you love Him? He's done so much for us. How can we not love Him? Dear friend, today, if He's not your Lord and Savior, let me encourage you to trust Him as your Lord and Savior today. Come believing on Him, asking Him to forgive you of your sins, and He'll forgive you. He'll make you clean and whole and pure. He'll forgive you of all your sins. He'll give you eternal life. Isn't that something wonderful? And Christians, if we've strayed away from Him, it'd be a good day to come back to Him. You see, when we go away from the Lord, we're causing hurt in His life. He loves us. And He wants us to live for Him. So we bow our heads in a moment of prayer. As this invitation is given today, if God is speaking to your life, whether it's to come and rededicate your life to the Lord, whether it's to come and be saved, to follow Jesus in baptism, to become a part of His church, whatever God wants you to do. Maybe you have someone you need to come and pray for. That's okay. We invite you to come. Father, I thank you so much for what your son Jesus has done for us. And Lord, I found it difficult just to explain the best that I could what was happening to Jesus. My mind cannot grasp it all, Lord, the pain that he endured. But the Bible tells us that he did that 
that he became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Father, I pray today that as your Holy Spirit works in the hearts and lives of people in this audience and people out in the audience that are listening, that, Lord, that you would just be glorified and magnified. Save some soul here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.